0: You're listening to A Checkup, a story written and read by Philip Ballagia. Remember to like, share, and subscribe, and if you'd like to subscribe to the blog that I read these stories from, you can find a link to that in the description. Walter Morris had not been to the doctors for a good two years. He admitted this to very few people because he knew it was shameful. Few, very few people, in turn, tried to work it out of him. Whether they noticed the state he was in or not, most had no reason to care. To people with sense, like his sister Ashley, Walter's laziness was stupid in more than in more ways than one. It was better in the long term, and in the short term too, to do as you were told. You wasted more time trying to get out of it, and then fixing it when uh, than you would have spent doing it right from the start. In other cases, Walter followed this maxim well but he was healthy and he knew it, so why should he pay a doctor for a second opinion? His sister insisted. This was an intervention, but done over the phone, not in the usual way, where your family and friends gathered in a room and announced their intentions when you entered. Wanting to calm her without actually doing as she asked, Walter inspected himself with his hand mirror as best he could. He had no mysterious lumps or spots, He bent over and got up more smoothly than he expected. Everything was working as it should. The longer he went without a checkup, the less reason he saw to get one. Walter had broken the habit, a tradition you could even call it, which his parents had kept since his birth. He had broken it with force. Not that he had slammed doors and stormed out, or otherwise made a scene. After his last checkup, he'd made a private decision not to waste any more time or money on doctors. The next time he and Ashley spoke, he threw the results of his self-inspection in her face. She said he didn't know what to look for. Just go to a doctor. Get it over with, she pleaded. Why? Really, why? If there's anything wrong with me, I'll feel it. Damn it! I'm sick of rushing after my own body like a leaky house. You can afford it, she said. In fact, you can't afford not to. Kids can bounce back from these things, but not men of your age. Bounce back from what? What do you mean, these things? I told you I'm fine. Her brother, once a stubborn boy, was now a stubborn man. Ashley could have understood his behavior if he were old enough to revert to childishness like so many do later in life. His habits grew up alongside him. She would have preferred that he grow out of them instead. Why was he like this? She searched through his past for a connecting thread. Something she could yank and know where his refusal came from, if not remove it entirely, like a rotten tooth. There was nothing she could remember that explained it. No awful trip to the doctor or big injury or illness that he wanted to ignore. That would have been too simple for someone like Walter, she thought. And what did it matter now? The damage was done. Just how bad it was, though, they might never know. They traded the same arguments back and forth every three days or so. He didn't need a check-up. She contended that he did. He was tired of doctors, and you'll be too tired to complain like that when this catches up to you, she replied. Eventually, her concern for him ran out. If this is what you want, go ahead. I can't stop you. All right, I'll go, he said. He had proven his point, a misguided belief in his independence, and so he stopped after driving that home. Do you want me to take you there? Already, her faith in him had rebounded. "'Anything to keep an eye on me, right?' he mumbled. She ignored that and kept the conversation going. "'Does Tuesday work for you?' "'Fine.' "'Great. See you then.' He could hear the relief in her voice. He said nothing on their way over to the doctor. His face was blank. She opened the car door for him as he got in, but because he shooed her away, she let him get out by himself. "'I can take the bus back.' You've done more than enough. Thank you. Call me if you change your mind. Thank you, he said again. One hand on the steering wheel. She waved as she drove off. He waved back and waited until she was gone. Only then did he go inside. He introduced himself to the receptionist. Hello, I'm Walter Morris. I have a check of it, too, and gave her all the cards and papers she needed. She checked everything and gave him a form to fill out. No, he didn't smoke. Yes, he drank. There was no box for from time to time. He marked once a week. No medication. Moderate stress. Sign here. Date there. All done, he said, with a smile the receptionist didn't return. She told him to take a seat in the waiting room. Down the hall, she said. But there are two hallways. His voice rose at the end of the sentence, so that it sounded like a question. The one on the left, straight ahead, Having answered, she turned back to her computer and left him to find his way. Easily done with the right directions, he settled into a low-seated chair, the kind he only found in waiting rooms. Walter's mind and eye wandered around the room together, beginning with the man to his right, beginning with the man on his right, then going along the, the room's further end until they reached the man on his left and came as full circle as you possibly could in a square room. He passed over everyone there, just as they had surely done when they first arrived. His survey complete, Walter looked ahead, his eyes unfocused and resting on the table full of magazines. His mind was elsewhere. What are you in for, the man to his left, the man on his left said? He makes it sound like a prison sentence, Walter thought. Just a check-up, he said. I've got a a bad heart. I think something's wrong with my pacemaker. Walter nodded in sympathy. New battery day, hmm? Were you born like that, or did it happen when you got older? I was a healthy kid, the man recalled, though I guess we're all born with our problems in a way, and sometimes they show up sooner than later. He was hoping for later. I'm not lucky enough for never, Walter said, shrugging. Walter grabbed a magazine off the table at random. He learned how to spare the rod without spoiling, useful for the boy over there who couldn't keep keep still. His mother told him to sit in his chair. He did, but then he noticed how nicely his legs dangled and began to swing them back and forth. He made no noise except for when he knocked his shoes or his knees together. Walter seized on that as a source of irritation, but what he hated most was the constant movement in the corner of his eye. Walter glared. The boy kept swinging, Walter went back to his magazine. He read how to find the right track for his kids and how to keep them on it, how to get his baby to eat what its parents gave it, and so much more than he needed for the children he didn't have. A nurse entered. She glanced at her clipboard. Mr. Morris? Mr. Walter Morris? You have an appointment. Mr. Walter Morris looked up from his magazine, startled, then raised his hand, got up, and followed her to the doctor's office. He tried to read her name tag. She turned around too quickly for him to even see it, much less make out the letters. She introduced Walter to the doctor. Mr. Morris, this is Dr. Waters. He'll be giving you your checkup. This is your first visit in a while, Dr. Waters said, as he shook hands with Walter, who wasn't sure whether to apologize or not. He wished they hadn't exchanged names. It made everything so personal. I couldn't find the time, Walter explained. Dr. Waters let that speak for itself. But I take walks every week, he added. This was as useless as telling a dentist how well you flossed. The evidence was there to be examined. Everything else was small talk. So, any complaints, Dr. Waters asked? No, none, Walter said. They tested his heart. They tested his blood. They tested his reflexes and his lungs, weighed and measured him, checked him for various cancers and after all that, they tested his patients. So he did have one complaint after all. Out of kindness to Dr. Waters and his nurse, Walter kept it to himself. As strongly as he had objected to needing a checkup, he had nothing against Dr. Waters as a person or as a doctor. All the fuss that the doctor and his nurse made told them more about Walter than he himself knew. This, Dr. Waters said, tapping a line well below the spikes and lines that represented Walter's heart rate, is where we want you to be. That was a fact, though bluntly put, whereas the insults Walter cut himself with were sharp exaggerations of his health. I feel like my body's breaking down, he confessed. It is. It happens to us all, but you've got to change. Come in regularly, so we can recognize these problems and fix them before they get quite this bad. Walter paused and ducked his head once to nod. All right. When he'd been billed for all the extra tests they'd run, Walter left with some feelings that needed sorting out. He saw his sister waiting outside in her car. What should he say when she asked how it went? He thought of something, but then, as he was reconsidering and approaching the car, she honked the horn and made him forget it. That was A Checkup, written and read by Philip Alisher. Once again, if you'd like to subscribe to the blog that I read these stories from, You can find a link to that in the description, and as always, remember to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks, and until next time.